forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Alison Askin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I am still very excited about this Pride episode. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I love iced coffee because of gay. So today's episode is a second parter um, because we did a live stream of this full week's episode all in honor of Pride. And so if you go back and listen to Wednesday's episode, you'll hear our, our tough questions and a brand new game show Gabby created. And then today is the second part of the show, which is uh, international question and our topics segment. Stick around after the break. We're going to be answering a listener's question. Welcome back to Just Between Us. You know what it's time for. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Margaret, Virginia. So this is a very exciting segment of International Question because we have a guest who's going to help us answer. Our guest today is musician Lucy Dacus. Hello, Lucy. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm a huge fan. I saw you play on the last New Year's Eve I imagine any of us will ever have because it was New Year's 2020 and we were like, this year's going to be great. And it wasn't. We'll still have New Year's Eve. I hope, you know, maybe, or maybe it's canceled forever. That's what it felt like. Um, No, I want it back. That was such a good time. It was great. So what are your qualifications to answer a listener's question, a gay question? Oh, my qualifications? I didn't make (laughs) notes about that. Um, I guess it's worth saying that I'm either bisexual or pan. I haven't decided. It's not really anybody's business, but. (laughs) That's actually great. A great way to lead into this question about coming out. Okay, let me read what Margaret says. So, hey, y'all, TLDR is coming out always stressful. The background. I'm a 21-year-old college student who has come to the conclusion that I'm bisexual. Great. My main friend group is straight. They are all good people and I know that they would support me, but it still feels like a door that once I walk through, I can't go back. I am especially worried about my straight girlfriends because I don't want our relationship to change as it sometimes does when friends of the same gender come out. I also have the urge to prove I know what I'm talking about. I think a lot of my anxiety probably stems from coming out to my mom and it not going well. I still don't think she believes me because I don't seem gay. She told my sister after the fact that I couldn't be gay because I wear skirts. Well, obviously that's true. Mostly, I don't want to feel the need to prove my identity because I don't seem like a lady who also likes ladies. My last fear is that I'll have to come out again because there is a possibility that I'm just a lesbian. Compet, am I right? That's compulsory heterosexuality. Cool. That's what I thought. (laughs) I don't want to feed into the narrative that bi is just a stop onto gay or that bi people are just confused. As you can see, I have many anxieties about coming out, but it's been a year since I've come out to myself. It feels inevitable that I'll just slip up and out myself. Oh, add that to the list of fears. I'm afraid that since this is the first time I'm coming out in public, that people will feel hurt if I treat it like an assumption. Like if I don't make a point to be like, I'm coming out, they will be hurt by my keeping a secret. On the other hand, I also don't want to be a big gay statement because it doesn't feel like me either. 
And then some compliments about us, which we won't read. Thank you, Margaret, for your question. So, wow, there's a lot happening here. There's so much. Yeah. What did your note? What do your notes say? I'm so curious. Okay. Well, let's just start at the top. I just want to thank you so much for preparing with notes. I'm blown away. I'm so happy. I've never felt. I've never <laughs> felt like more honored. <laughs> I like. I'm so glad y'all sent the question early so that I could think about it also I feel this really personally because there are a lot of things that I don't know if Margaret's watching or listening or whatever probably since but yeah same dude I had a lot of straight friends growing up like like very many and then slowly over time what do you know everyone's gay at least in my life I'll just say that like there were and I wasn't in the first round of people that came out and I had a lot of friends that came out and was like hmm interesting I'll log that and then a couple years later I came out to my partner at the time my boyfriend I guess and uh he was like no you aren't gay at all because you're dating me and I was like oh well I guess you get to decide these things I'll just not talk about this for a really long time (laughs) Um, so I'm really sorry that your mom didn't make it like a good coming out experience for you I think that you're in the same boat as very many people that come out and that's part of why it's scary but I'll say this you're smarter than your mom and you know you better and also she'll catch up if she cares about you mm-hmm. no offense to your mom but maybe like offense to your a mom. little <laughs> offense to your mom I would say yeah like a like a 20 percent offense to your mom mm-hmm I feel like I'm just talking a lot. No, no, we we want we want personal well, experience. What do you think, Abby? Well, I think like coming out is kind of never ending. Like you're always coming out. You're always, you know, whether or not you have to like say something to like your doctor or you have to tell a parent or you have to tell a new partner or whatever. Um, it's kind of like I think movies and TV make it seem like it's like one big thing that just happens. And then it's like, wow, I did it. I feel good for the rest of my days but it's actually something that's kind of never ending and it's going to change. I mean, I don't think you should feel bad. Like one of your fears is like, what if I'm just a lesbian, which I find very, I always find it funny when people say just a lesbian or just bisexual. I always hear just a lesbian or at least bisexual, which I think are two (laughs) phrases that we really need to think about and unpack when we say them. Because if you start out one way and you end up a different way, like that's completely fine. That's called life. I think bisexual people worry about this so much, but then there's not a lot of representation for like gay men or lesbians who all, who later also realize that they're bi. Like, I think it goes both ways in a way that like doesn't get represented or talked about. Lucy knows my partner, Mal Blum, and we were talking about the idea of going through phases and how people get so nervous about like going like, oh, is it going to be seen as if I went through a lesbian phase or I went through a bisexual phase? And Mal's like, people are so worried about like sexuality and gender phases, but how come nobody was like, hey, that time that you wear fedoras, that's a phase. <laughs> like, it's okay to go through phases. That's the thing that I I worry about that people think coming out is like, now I've made my statement and good day. Yeah, phases are not like an option. You will go through phases like mm-hmm. in all aspects of your life. I feel like the fear that you're describing is like one that I also struggle with and try not to fear, which is the umbrella of change. Mm-hmm. But like when you're talking about your worry that coming out is going to change like your friendships, your friendships are going to change for so many reasons or zero reason. Like I have lost friends that I totally liked and nothing happened and circumstances just made us drift apart. 
Mm-hmm. So like if things do change because of this, this is just one possible way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should like put too much weight on that because it's just a part of life. And either you can do it in a way that, you know, you're being honest with yourself or some other way that you don't expect. Yeah. Change is going to happen. I mean, that's a great way to frame it is that change is going to happen no matter what. You can't keep your friendships the exact same, even if you've known, you know, if you've known them for since kindergarten or whatever, like as you grow up, it's going to change. And you might be surprised by how many of your straight friends are actually queer as well. (laughs) I feel like from college onward, like I felt like I was the only out person in my group of friends in college. And I felt a little bit isolated by that. And then slowly as we've entered our thirties, one of them is now married to a woman. One of them is, is now out as bisexual. The, uh, one of the guy friends that we had that got married to his girlfriend right out of college and had only like been with the one girl or whatever. So we were just like, okay, that's a straight guy. He's by like, I feel like it just kind of like people are on their own timelines. And so I think you're like, I'm the only one struggling with this, which like may not end up being true. Yeah. I I would say that like, there is a good chance if you're up for it, that you coming out will plant a seed in everyone in your life where you'll be beginning conversations. It is kind of a lot. Like, I don't, I don't want to invalidate your fear. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know who's in your life, even if people are supportive becoming the friend that people go to to be to represent an entire demographic is intimidating. Mm-hmm. But I think that will fade over time. Hopefully you don't have to prove anything either. I remember you said that in your letter. I'm just saying you like I'm just talking to this person. No, but... of course. And I think <laughs> it, I mean, it's the general you too. But also this mm-hmm. person. Yeah, I don't think the idea of having to be an expert is like, as soon as you come out to be an expert is like, um, nobody's an expert. That's the secret. Mm-hmm. I think it was really interesting what she was saying about like, does she have to make a point to have these individual conversations with people so that they don't then like accuse her of keeping it from them or keeping, you know, like how much do you need to take into account someone else's feelings about your own coming out? That feels tricky. I yeah. would say like even stepping back from that, one like piece of advice is to come out to some strangers just have like a bunch of tallies on the it went well category (laughs) I I think that like anybody who loves you maybe they could get a little defensive but to some extent like they just have to like respect you yeah I never understood the concept of like you kept this a secret from me because it's not like they went to the mall without you or something (laughs) like it's like you know something that they're, they are sharing with you at this particular time. I understand the anxiety though, of maybe get all the friends together and just do it at once. Whoa. You know what my friend Nate did? He sent a mass email to everyone coming out and it was oh like, it was very long, but it was a very interesting story, but it, it was like CC'd to everybody. And I thought I found that to be, cause I was with a friend of mine and we both got it at the same time. And we were both like, Oh wow. Cool. Like reading it at the restaurant. So I don't know that I think that was kind of badass actually yeah I think that like sending big news over email is actually underrated like (laughs) when like even like for other things too where like health stuff or like breakups I feel like sure break up over text there's no way that you can do a breakup that is nice in my opinion it's gonna feel bad if you need the distance in order to do it that's fine. Somebody maybe gets to be mad at you, but that's just their prerogative. Like, I think that any way 
that you make it happen that actually makes it happen is the right way to do it. Mass text. Send like take a get a get a rainbow cake. Take a picture of you next to it and then just send it to everyone in your in your phone. Or one of those like texts that's like if you don't forward this to five people, you're gonna be haunted tonight. That'll <laughs> really get the word out. <laughs> You'd, I thought you were going to say, if you don't send this to five people, then you're gay. And then you send that and then you write, oh, no, I didn't send this to people. Well, being haunted is gay also. I feel like there's a parallel there. We did just talk about how falling in love with a ghost is gay. Mm-hmm. I also think like maybe you don't need to make it a big point. Maybe you can, you're like you're imagining conversations with people that didn't happen. Like you're like, what if they say this? What if they say that? Like you got to let go of the result. You can only control your side of the conversation and you can't go into it being like, well, if they say this, then I'll say that. It's not a flow chart. Like, and then if they say this, I'll say that. Like, if people are mad, they're mad and that's not your problem. And if people like are like, you didn't do this the correct way, then like, you know, maybe that's a sign that the friendship is growing a little bit. You're, you're different people now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If somebody feels like they don't want to come out, but they think that not coming out makes them like a liar. Or something. Yeah. Like that they should. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think that you don't owe anybody coming out and you don't owe anybody a certain like representation, like the whole like wearing skirts thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter even who you date. Like your sex- mm-hmm. your sexuality is about you. I-, I actually like had somebody that came out to me who's like much younger than me, who was like, um, so do I have to like go kiss somebody to make it real? Mm. I was like, no, you don't use people to prove things. You know, like if that happens because you want to, that's awesome. But it's not like people are going to ask for your resume. No one's going to be like, oh, you're gay. Where's your transcript? Can you please (laughs) like show me how many people have you kissed? You know, like how many people you slept with? Not going to happen. And if it did, you just know to immediately never speak to that person again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like the the concept of like needing to seem like an expert or needing to seem like you know what you're talking about is maybe a stressor that you have, Margaret, because you only have straight friends. So maybe the next move is to try to find some queer friends so that you're not, you don't feel the pressure of like, I am the only person because you can learn from them. Then if you make friends with other queer people, you're you're taking in their life experiences. You're taking in their opinions. There's not just one monolithic opinion about things, you know, in the queer community. You know, I have like different feelings about public figures coming out than like, you know, Lucy does or whoever else does. And like, I think like if you make queer friends, you'll realize that being a representative by like dressing a certain way or, or having a certain knowledge base is like not really a thing. If everyone that you know is gay, <laughs> everybody's mm-hmm. just an individual. Like people are just individuals. And then maybe you can bring those people around your friends. And then everybody has kind of got a, a wider breadth of experiences or um, people to talk to with different experiences. Yeah, that's good advice. Thank you. Your advice is also really good. Did you have other things written on your paper that you wanted to get to? <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, you know, you're worrying about like your girlfriends um, feeling weird. I forget exactly what you said. They're they're going to think that you have like crushes on them or something like that's either true or it isn't. And that's like you said, everyone's an individual. Like I would say that throughout your life, like 
you will have crushes on people. Any Everybody has crushes and they're either reciprocated or not. And that doesn't have to do with sexuality or gender. So sure, there may be some of that gay yearning going on. That is something that you will be signing up for is all of the yearning. If it's not already happened, sounds like potentially yes. But yeah, like that particular sorrow of just like not connecting with somebody is on an individual level. I think the weight of that shouldn't be in the identities of the two people. Yeah, if you're not in love with any of your friends, then that's you're worrying about a hypothetical situation that isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And if any of them are like, oh, now you're in love with me. It's like, calm down. Like, <laughs> I think like, chill out. That is also tells you something about that person. If that person immediately jumps to like, you're in love with me. It's like, that tells you a little bit about how they view queer people in like a sort of predatory or like weird over-sexualized sense. And Mm -hmm. I think either you can educate them or that friendship is a little bit dated now. You know, what's really funny is coming out to somebody and then if it ever comes to the surface that you don't have a crush on them, even though they're straight and then they're offended. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? I'm not offended. (laughs) No, no, no. Like, like, I'm just joking. I'm just joking in the beginning, but I'm just joking. No. Yeah. I mean, I think like, that might be queer of them. <laughs> like the, person, yeah. the straight person who's like, why aren't you in love with me? Because I had like a straight best friend in in um in college. And like, we were like, at, it was very funny. We were like out drinking and friends of ours were straight girls were like kissing. And then it was like, oh, like someone was like, you guys should kiss. And we both like looked at each other. And we're like, oh, like, no, gross and mm-hmm. I was like okay great friendships so, like we are friends <laughs> perfect that is that is like it was yeah. very because it wasn't like the idea of like oh Gabby's queer so she's gonna jump at the chance to kiss this person we were both just like no um and that's friendship yeah <laughs> I think that that was excellent advice all around and if you want to submit your international question you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Lucy, where can people find out more about you and all your new stuff and everything about seeing you live and all of it? I mean, probably on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, just like search my name on anything. <laughs> I don't usually do this, but I guess I'm on like all of the stuff and I'm I'm putting out an album in one week from today. I realized, which literally makes me want to hurl. But and then, yeah, going on tour in the U.S. and then Europe and the U.K. What's the album called? Home Video. Perfect. And it'll come out. This episode will be out when it's out. So go today, everyone, and get it. Nice. Thank you so much for being here and for helping us answer this question. Thanks for having me. Of course. Good on you, Margaret. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about internalized homophobia and transphobia. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topic Baby. This week's topic is internalized homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia. And our guest this week is Alexis Sanchez, who is the Director of Advocacy and Training at the Sacramento LGBT Community Center. Hi, everybody. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we wanted to talk about something that I think is like rampant on the internet, 
and and in a way where people either don't know they're doing it or they do know that they're doing it and they feel really bad, sad feelings about it. What was your journey to like being like, okay, I'm a trans woman? Well, I I think I knew I was trans since I was a little kid, right? I was like two years old and I just would tell my parents like, I don't know, I don't feel like a boy. This, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you're wrong on this one, um, which wasn't super well received by my parents. And then just throughout my life, I always, I don't know, just like seeing, especially I grew up with my two cousins, right? And like one of them was um, a boy and one of them was a girl. And I just was like, I don't know, th- this other one, it just seems like that, that's kind of a life for me. So, and... <sighs> you know, like it wasn't reinforced as a child. So I just kind of stuffed it down. I was like, okay, I guess my parents are right. I think it was something that always lived in the back of my mind. Um, When puberty hit, I just got very uncomfortable because my body started to get very masculine very quickly. And it just like made me very uncomfortable. And I started self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And it just, that worked for a really long time until it didn't. And at 29, um, I was kind of like at my ends and I was like trying different things to try and make my life work. My 20s were a series of like trying different things and like none of it working and none of it, like I attained like some material wealth and stuff and all of it felt super empty. So I like, yeah, at 29, I was like, okay, like nothing else has worked. So let's try transitioning. Um, and I came out to myself and then I came out to the world and then uh, the rest, it's it's been a journey since then. Yeah, totally. I mean, we were talking in the beginning, like I feel like I battled so much internalized biphobia and like all of this sort of beating myself up about like dating cis men and being like, I'm not good enough to be with this guy because I'm bisexual. I'm not, I need to be better. I need to be good, which what does that even mean? And then like dating women and being like, they have a problem with like my past with men and they feel like intimidated or they, they're not, they don't like it. And then like feeling like, okay, well, I can just like be a lesbian and then that that will work or whatever. Um, and then it was like, I, every time I would go back and forth and I would be like, you're just bi. Like, why are you doing mind games to be like, I'm straight or I'm a lesbian? Like, j- you're tricking yourself. Like, just, like just, it's just bisexuality. You're going to keep coming back to that. And so then I felt comfortable there. And then I like started, we talked about it in the, in other episodes. Like then I just started being like, huh, gender, what's that about? And I think like you get like settled into one identity and then you're like another identity comes up. I didn't start looking at gender because I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, I'm so happy for other people, but that can't be me. And it's like words that don't make sense. Like I'm not qualified. Like I don't have the, like, I don't, I don't have the whatever, like all these things and where you're like, well, you go, I, to me, I run through a list in my head of like, what? Well, these are the reasons that I can't be X, Y, and Z. But then part of me is like, if you're even sitting there, like going through the list in your head, like that's maybe not a thing that people who aren't that are doing. Do you feel the same way? Definitely. I definitely feel that like in coming out to myself in questioning, um, you know, like kind of these base things, it's like prior to that, I'm like, oh, I'm cisgender heterosexual. And then I like, I was like, that's not fitting let's look in this box. And then looking in the box, it's like, okay, there's the gender thing. Like, and like, how does in questioning that and opening the box um, of gender and sexuality, it's like, I can start to ask maybe deeper questions. And, you know, like that process of asking ourselves questions and that process of me asking myself questions is like 
navigating my own narratives and my own old stuff and my own internalized homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia um, to try and get to an answer. Uh, you know, like I feel very lucky in that I was supported and I had a good therapist and I could like have just people who could help me navigate that process of asking those questions because I think for a lot of people, you know, like you just come to the question and you're met with these internalized narratives um, and it's just like, oh, that, that, that can't you know, like that's not who I am. Yeah. I mean, I think like even the, the I see a lot of non-binary people talking about like the typical trans narrative of, you know, that you're an, like one binary gender or the other. Um, if you don't feel that way, then like you're probably, you know, it, you're not trans enough. Like you hear that a lot, like not bi enough, not trans enough, not gay enough. And like I said in another episode, like oh, you know, if you're running down this checklist of if you're trans or not, like you're probably trans. And then I had some cis people sort of being like, well, I've done that and I decided I was cis. And like, okay, <laughs> I believe you. But I just like, how do you how do you deal with feelings of like, I'm not enough? Right, I think it's interesting. This is something that I think about a lot. I think like those internalized narratives of not being enough. We grow up in a culture that like really values like cisgender heterosexual norms, right? Like this is mm -hmm. what's reinforced. You watch TVs, you watch movies, you like see ads, especially like for people who are a little older and didn't have that diversity um, kind of portrayed. Um, you know, growing up, the only place that I saw trans women on TV were like as victims of hate crimes on SVU or as survival sex workers. So like there's this narrative that gets reinforced about like what what things should look like. And I think in, um, you know, when our own experience doesn't match that, or maybe like that's just like cloaked in like prejudices and like just like maybe these ill-informed things, like there's a little bit of dissonance, I think like, so that's the first part when I think of like internalized biphobia, transphobia and homophobia. And then the other part of not feeling enough, um, you know, I think that's a very natural part of questioning. Um, it really is coming back to this cisgender heterosexual norms. Like um, we're taught that things fit into boxes, right? Like things fit neatly into boxes. And even the quote unquote standard trans narrative should fit neatly into a box. I was assigned male at birth and like now I'm going to transition to a binary female identity. So when we have an experience that doesn't fit neatly into one of these cultural narratives or one of these boxes, like there is that question, like, am I doing this right? Am I enough? Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're hopefully moving towards a society where like we're starting to deconstruct those narratives and put new ones out into the world or just like letting people be and letting people write their own stories and taking those stories for what they are. So I mean, I have a lot of hope that future generations won't have to go through that. But like, I, I definitely have some of that myself. Do you feel like there's a double-edged sword to all this visibility now? Oh, a hundred percent. I think no one was legislating against trans people 10 years ago, right? Like we didn't have bathroom bills. We didn't have, because like we didn't really exist in the public sphere. We weren't really used as a wedge issue. So that's the pros and cons, right? Like growing up, I did not see trans women in position of power. So I didn't think like, oh, I could have that. Now as an adult, like there are like all these incredible trans people who have like all, who are doing really, really great things. And like you see that, but also like, for lack of a better word, bigots see that and like don't really like that or it challenges like one of their own narratives and that makes them really uncomfortable. So I think with um, more visibility, it is 
100% a double-edged sword. It like creates new narratives, but it also opens us up to violence for people who didn't know that we existed prior. Yeah, I think like it's been wonderful, the internet for people to be able to connect with other people. Like, you know, I had no idea that a non-binary person could not look the typical androgynous look until maybe 2017, (laughs) like like pretty recently. Um, And even then, I remember at the time, the person I met who was, they call it a femme them, which, okay, even that, uh, the person I met, I at the time was like, oh, okay. Like I had like a thing in my head where I was like, whatever. And I'm like, I was a queer person. I obviously didn't like say it or act on it, but I was like not convinced, which like, who cares? And then like cut to 2021 and like, I'm going through my own thing regarding gender and like my presentation and my hair being long and all this stuff. And I wonder like how much I, I, now I look back and I'm like, what pinged for me that made me uncomfortable with this other person, like living their, their truth, because it was something inside me that I don't know if that's relatable to you, but there's like something inside me that was like, that's you, but don't look at it. Definitely. Definitely. I think sometimes we see people who hold, um, maybe we see a mirror of ourselves um, and that can be like a little uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I have that. That's Mm -hmm. hmm, interesting. Not ready for that question. Let's put put that in a box for a while. But I think, you know, like speaking to, um, we grow up like just kind of, you know, sex assigned at birth and gender identity and gender expression. Like we grow up with all of those couples and the standard narrative is like you're assigned male at birth, your gender identity is male and your gender expression should be a very, very subset, small subset of male. And if you stray from that, that is not okay. And those things, you know, they're not related like sex assigned at birth, gender identity and gender expression, all of those things, like they can exist on a spectrum. And until like, it's really normalized to start to think of it that way, um, you know, like we're always going to have instances where we see someone who's like a little different, right? You know, like their gender identity might not align with their gender expression. And we're like, what is that about? And it, it, you know, it just might raise some questions in and of ourselves or challenge those old standing narratives about how things should be linked or what a queer person should look like or what a trans person should look like. Yeah, I mean, I'm shocked sometimes even by like my own uh, ability to still be to be judgy or something like there was, I was just watching Jeopardy yesterday and my two roommates are both trans. My partner, I said my two roommates, my partner is one of them, the two people I live with. And we were watching Jeopardy and there's like a person on Jeopardy who's like all the signifiers of lesbian, short haircut, bolo tie, like jacket, like that. we were like, that is a lesbian. And then it gets to the part in Jeopardy where they're like talking about their lives or whatever. And she was like, my husband. And we all like screamed. We almost like threw things at the TV. We were like, our brains broke. But like, and those are three, these are like three gender non-conforming people. You know what I mean? But we like, we're like so thrown. And I've been finding it like really lovely actually to, to see that that's, those three things have been sort of taken apart in certain ways. And like, I feel like that's like the next step in queerness is this sort of like, mashing together of all of those things. But I think people are still really scared of not looking like how they should look as a as a trans or, or a queer person. 
I do a lot of trainings with folks and I do a lot of, I also do a lot of volunteering with like queer teenagers, right? And like the way that different generations think about gender, gender identity, gender expression, that's, that's forever evolving. I think we've provided younger generations with the tools to think about these things in an evolved way and like with an environment that supports them expressing however they want to express. I think like as a kid, my parents policed me a little bit, but I really think that a lot of policing came from my peers, right? Like, I think we self-police in a way uh, to, especially like as very young from like eight to 10, 13, 12. And I think this is changing a lot, but like we, we would hold our peers to account. It's like, if you deviate out of the norms of gender expression or gender identity, it's like that, that's not okay. And you're bullied and you're picked on and like, all these sorts of things happen. And like, we're slowly creating an environment where um, that's not the case. I mean, it still is the case in some places, but I feel like newer generations, they, they've been given tools to be able to express however they like and like people police them maybe a little less or they, you know, thanks to the internet, they can find people who don't police them, right? Like they might get bullied at school, but then they can hop on TikTok and like find a bunch of people that are community and like see them for who they are. In your work in Sac- in Sacramento at the center, what are the like most pressing things that you are encountering in your work there? Well, I think for me, leaving the bubble of Los Angeles, because um, I grew up in LA and, you know, like it, LA, it's a big city, right? So it's like, pretty queer friendly like there's especially like spaces where I can go where it's like oh and express however I want generally speaking and moving to an area that's surrounded by more rural counties um, and more conservative counties it's like oh oh not everywhere is like Los Angeles so some of the work that I do is around hate crimes um, and like I do like some client navigation and I do some um, just advocacy at the state level around hate crimes and like hate crimes continue to trend upwards I think especially for AAPI folks in the last couple of years but for L LGBT folks as well. I think um, it's that double-edged sort of visibility. Hate crimes against the community, especially for people with multiple marginalized identities, continue to rise, right? I think in having a bunch of like famous trans celebrities, it's great, but it doesn't do much for, you know, like a Black trans woman who's, you know, like struggling to find work and struggling to find uh, safe housing and struggling to find safe communities. So I think looking at intersections is like really, really, really important. And then I think like the same issues that affect everyone, like maybe affect the LGBTQIA plus community um, a little harder. So like, you know, the COVID pandemic was really hard on the finances for a lot of people and um, queer people who maybe have managers that are like a little more biased towards them, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe got their hours cut more than their cishet peers and like, or maybe they had to leave their apartment because they didn't have the money to pay for it. And then they're struggling to find new housing. So I think this COVID recovery is super, super uneven. And for queer folks, especially queer folks of color, like we're seeing like, they're still really, really struggling right now. If someone like sees all this stuff happening and it's like, it seems really hard to be queer or trans. I don't want that. (laughs) What like advice do you give or what are like the positive outcome what would you tell someone who's like i i think this is just too there's too much hate against me and i think i just don't want to do it right i mean that that's literally what kept me in the closet for about a solid decade so i definitely um i feel that i hear that that like resonates with my own experience i would say as a tool for maybe some hope is 
that you can find communities online, whether it's a Discord server, whether it's like a subreddit, whether it's a community on TikTok, you can find the people who are going to affirm you. And like that can carry you until you can, you know, like maybe move to a city or find a small community in your town that's going to be people who support you and see you for who you are. Yay, rural queers. Shout out to the rural queers. They're doing doing the work. So Alexis, where can people find out more about you and your work and um, support the Sacramento LGBT Center? So you can find the Sacramento LGBT Center at SAC Center, um, S-A-C-C-E-N-T-R. I think that's our um, branding across Instagram and Twitter. Um, You can also go to like saccenter.org and then see my picture on the website somewhere, I guess. Um, And then you can follow me on the internet. My Instagram handle is Alexis, the letter N transit and it's the fun it's not very good it's old but I'm keeping it (laughs) and there I post a lot of like my activism and policy work and media advocacy but then also like a non-stop supply of very choice memes (laughs) trans girl culture is memes so like follow me on insta you'll get the good that's amazing thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me oh so nice to meet you I think it is that time of the show Melissa do you want to join us Here she comes. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, how have you found this episode? Have you enjoyed it sitting across from us? I have. It's great to be here in person. I don't know if I should be looking at my computer or you guys. <laughs> oh, I guess the, I guess at the computer yeah. oh, okay. at the audience. And we'll just like we'll just like look up every so often and be yes. like, hi, you're here in real life. Hi. <laughs> I looked at you when you were talking. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I noticed. Um, <laughs> it feels weird. You're right there. I know. Oh my God. Wow. There's so much that we learned and like so many different, I would say vibes. Like everyone had their own vibe and I really enjoyed that. Um, Melissa, what did you think of the episode? I thought it was splendid. Ooh. Yes. I liked how the, how every person had a vibe. And then when they came in, that was the vibe. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, a really beautiful spectrum of the queer community, a really beautiful, like different expertise, different levels of like preparedness, mostly. Uh, yeah, I just, I just love it. I just love the whole community and I love getting to have multiple people in an episode and it's just really nice. I just feel, I just feel pleased. <laughs> it was good to be here to observe everything. And, you know, we've been playing this for a minute and it was great to see everything come together. I watched you, like, as people were talking, I watched you being like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While you were watching, you like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. What was, what was your favorite part? I mean, every part was amazing, but I think it was, like, really interesting to hear Chase say that it took them five years of being a lawyer to understand how civics works. And that, like, that is, like, so problematic for Mm -hmm. so many reasons and that we don't even understand how laws in this country happen. And like, that's what contributes to so many problems. Yeah. And and then just that whole segment, it's all stuff I I knew, but to hear reiterated from the actual expert who was arguing these things in our court system was like, it felt like a delight and and an honor. Yeah. My favorite part was the the ways that Kaylin did not agree with my assessments of things the entire time. <laughs> Cats the musical is gay. And like all these things that he would be like, no, the house or whatever. Um, that was really uh, enjoyable to me. Also, Lucy's notes I found really incredible. 
and just like she's so smart. But I like bookending the show with two people who work so hard in like policy for trans people and who like do so much work in order to support trans kids, basically, which I think are like the most attacked group right now. So it was a coincidence that we had to shuffle the schedule in order for tough questions to go first, but it ended up like beautifully bookending the show. So yeah, thank you to all of our guests. I'm just delighted. Wait, Melissa, what was your favorite oh, what part? What was your favorite I part? I have a few questions. Oh my God, please. Okay. So let's say there's a ghost that you want to fuck, but not <laughs> fall in love with. Is that gay? <sighs> That's such a good question. Um, No, I think that that, I think in that instance, it's gay if you are gay, but it's straight if you are straight. Okay. Hmm. Melissa, we've spoken about this before. Melissa uh, responded to my sending her the gay offs by saying, I wish to get railed by a ghost. Um, and I just went, yeah, that makes sense. Who doesn't? And, and Melissa said, I just wish to be chosen. I'm like a pick me girl for like <laughs> ghosts and aliens. Ah, for aliens. So hard for ghosts too. I just want to have an experience where I was like, Oh, Everyone thought the wrong thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> reality is completely different than what we thought. My dad, I was, we were watching a documentary about people getting, um, getting abducted by aliens. And I just, as a joke said to my dad, oh, that's happened to you, right? And he was like, oh yeah. And, I, and then he told a story about seeing aliens on the highway in 1983. Yep. I was completely joking. And he just was like, took it as a serious question and then had a serious answer. <laughs> Um, what I know about your dad, that seems about right. Did you, uh, uh, do you have any other follow-up questions? Oh, yes. Um, officiating weddings. Melissa does. I have not done. I am ordained, but I have not done. So. I look forward to you officiating the wedding of two people you've dated. Great. I love that too. (laughs) Um, and any other follow-ups? No, that's all. Okay. Well, if you want to book Melissa to officiate your wedding, go to (laughs) cameo.com. Just kidding. No, uh, just, uh, go to her Instagram. She is not Melissa. And then ask her to officiate your wedding. Should we wrap this up with ratings? Yes. I rate it 11 out of 10 loving yourself and being compassionate to yourself. Well, that's tough to top. Um, (laughs) I guess I'll say 135 out of eight happy prides. Holy shit, that's a huge number. Yeah, I had a great time. Now it seems like I need to top that. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Some people are bottoms and that's okay. No (laughs) bottom shaming here. 20 million out of three. (laughs) Fuck used to my home state of Arkansas. Oh, bye, Arkansas. Shout out to the rural queers doing the work in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So much love to you. Um, This has been a delight. And thank you to all of our guests. Thank you to Alexis, to Chase, to Lucy, to Kaylin. Thank you to Melissa and Allison for allowing me to do hypotheticals. (laughs) Um, And happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. Pride. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa DeMont. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash forever dog team or youtube.com slash just between us show make sure to follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at forever dog team keep up with all the latest forever dog news 
and at Allison Raskin and at Emotional Support Lady for Allison and at Gabby Road and at BWM Pod for Gabby. Thank you so much. Happy Pride! Forever! Dog!